Welcome to Uncaged. Today we're speaking with Anthony Luttenberger. Anthony works squarely in one of the key industries of that space, which is pharmaceuticals. He's been a key driver of commercializing pharmaceutical solutions and products throughout his whole career, working at some of the most incredible companies, notably places like Cardinal Health. We'll talk about really the evolution of that space and where we are right now. But before we get into a discussion about pharma and really the commercialization of pharmaceutical solutions, Anthony, tell us a little bit about you and your career. Yeah, so thank you, Ben. Again, it's really an honor to be here. So I've been in the in the healthcare data and analytics and pharmaceutical space for about 34 years. I've been fairly singularly focused. Uh, I started my career. Uh, carrying the bag as a pharmaceutical rep mm -hmm. um, and took a very special interest at the time in the data. And I happen to be an aviation enthusiast as well. And there was an old saying around if great information is the radar bar, which, you, which we all fly, um, why would we be using, you know, outdated data or information? So mm -hmm. for example, if you're flying an airplane, right, would you use a day old weather report? Mm -hmm. So the obvious answer is clearly no. So I, I really liked using the data to make decisions. And so back then, there was really only one option, and it was drug distribution data by IMS, which is essentially UPS would show up with a three-ring binder that was about three inches thick. Mm -hmm. You'd literally take a phone book, slap you on the back, and say, hey, go help your customers. And so fast forward 30 years, who knew uh, that <laughs> technology was going to explode? And so it got really detailed, and there was administrative claims data we would know what transactions were taking place at the pharmacy. We learned that 20 or 30% of those prescriptions could wind up in your jacket pocket or in the glove box of a car. Mm -hmm. uh, then when it gets to the pharmacy, based on um, could be your plan coverage or uh, certain uh, exceptions, you would get filled or not filled. And then what does that patient journey look like? And technology's enhanced our life in many ways. There's EMR and EHR, the electronic health records and medical records. There's specialty data. There's imaging data and lab data and the connectivity that we're all experiencing from social media to all of the different platforms and learning capabilities that's applying, that's being applied in healthcare. Yeah. And so, yeah, I really, really enjoyed staying in on the data and healthcare and analytics side. At the end of the day, it's really around, you know, helping patients. So, well, I mean, I think that one of the things, Anthony, that stood out before we started that you mentioned is that not only did you start as a sales rep, you really experienced almost every aspect of the life cycle of these solutions. And so you're able to see that kind of pre, the during, and the post information and data. Tell me where we are in kind of piecing that holistic story together. Yeah, that, that's a really great question. So we made tremendous advancements, but I still feel like we're in the early stages. Mm -hmm. um, and really the early time. So I am uniquely positioned in, in that pharmaceutical product life cycle. So, right. So there's your initial NDA and BLAs, which are new drug applications, biologic license applications, helping companies evaluate whether a, a molecular candidate would be viable mm -hmm. uh, and helping with preclinical work and clinical trials and helping products um, make sure that they're safe and effective and that they get approved. And, and then once they get approved, helping uh, physicians and nurses and, and all of the support that they receive from pharmaceutical companies and biotech and medical device companies on 
on how to enhance that patient experience. It really, all roads lead to kind of the same area, right? It's, it's around safety and efficacy. Mm-hmm. It's around cost, uh, driving down cost and cost effectiveness. It's around increasing access for all. And there mm-hmm. are a lot of priorities in healthcare right now that we're really working hard uh, to make sure there's access for all. And so um, all of this is really focused around, uh, you know, driving up outcomes, driving down costs mm-hmm. and, and the patient experience. It, you know, where it's going, it's interesting, is that from diagnosis and treatment data, I see a future where it's going to go more and more into prevention. And so as mm-hmm. we get into precision medicine, individualized therapy, and, and examples are, you know, your DNA genome, your individual digital biomarkers, you know, how can we custom tailor uh, these these therapies to help make you you live a longer, healthier life? And that's, that's yeah. really, that's really the focus. Yeah, um, I love that. I certainly have heard thoughts about that. You know, we were talking the other day with a woman who runs a hospital group in the Carolinas, and she was talking about the focus on nutrition, you know, that literally all the data pointed to the fact that just in certain rural markets in the Carolinas, you know, nutrition is a big issue. So it had nothing to do. I mean, certainly the problems during and post were significant with things like diabetes and other illnesses, but you know, the work really, the data led them to kind of lifestyle changes and we'll see uh, that's really, really a positive impact. But, you know, Anthony, it's fascinating to me to think about the life cycle of medical solutions and healthcare, as well as pharma. I mean, I do feel like the general public went from kind of being absolutely ignorant to being so exposed to all of this stuff during the pandemic and then seeing kind of these miraculous speeds of solutions coming to market. Where are we right now? I mean, have things sped up? Have we really made a step change post-COVID in this world? Yeah, I believe we have. And I, I think it really started in 2016. The FDA put out guidance called the 21st Century Cures Act, which said, mm-hmm. hey guys, add more real world evidence into your submissions and to uh, label expansions, for example, approvals. And so we've been able to really leverage the data, the technology, we're exposed to more information. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is anecdotal, but I think this is really important. Um, you know, we're, we're exposed to more information in 24 hours than most people were exposed to in a lifetime before they lived like in the 17th century. <laughs> Think about that. In every 24 hours, whether it's the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, or get on the internet, people are grow, growing up in a world where they have access to vast amounts of information. And we can apply that to, to drug development and creating, you know, safe, safer and more effective treatments at a more cost-effective price point. And that's really what we're all trying to do. So there's there's just so much data. A really good example of this is like prior to 2007 when the iPhone uh, came out and Fitbit was, you know, I, I believe it was an idea back then, but it was starting mm-hmm. to gain popularity. Wearables and sensors have become uh, in vogue, right? They're very readily accessible. And so to be able to monitor not just your steps every day, but what is your heart rate, your heart rate variability, your skin temperature, your core temperature, your respiration, you know, especially with COVID, you know, how many people are, are paying really close attention now to their health. And as you mentioned before, stress management, nutrition, exercise, sleep, all pay uh, 
pay or play, I'm sorry, pay, play a very, very vital role in your mm-hmm. your health and longevity. And I mean, for someone like you that has really looked at the data, it's so funny because throughout your career, we've moved from kind of having these very limited pockets of information that sometimes were very good and sometimes very reliable, but very limited yeah. to now having this treasure trove of information. And now we're presented with all of these tools that support that effort. You know, some of the stuff that you read about in the machine learning space that has been in vogue this year. So much discussion about AI this year. Tell me how you see that as impacting the work that you and your colleagues have done. Yeah, that's a great question. So so as as much as we've advanced uh, in recent years, uh, we still are in the very early stages. And so one of the key challenges with all of this data is that they are disparate data sets. They all data sets have strengths and weaknesses. All data sets are sourced uh, differently. They can come from administrative claims data. They can come from uh, chart abstraction study and outcomes research. They can come from a variety of sources. So, so understanding what those differences are and what those nuances are is very important. Now, up until recently, right, it was people who had mm-hmm. to, it was a very manual process. Um, folks like myself and the teams and the companies I've worked with, that we really help our customers understand and navigate this complexity. Now with mm-hmm. artificial intelligence and machine learning, the ability to accurately diagnose or accurately correlate, detect, or predict what's happening in the data is mind-blowing. So I'll give you a couple of real-world examples. There's a capability now to monitor patients that they could potentially be headed towards heart failure and be given an alert, hey, within hours, you're headed in this direction. Mm. We, can, we can alert a care team. They could review it, alert the patient, say, hey, get to the hospital. Um, one in three patients with heart failure are going to return to the hospital, and some of them are, are, fa- are, are fatal. Um, Another good example is cancer patients receiving CAR T therapies, a very known and fairly common side effect can be cytokine release syndrome, which is an inflammatory response. It can Mm -hmm. also be fatal. And it's very uncomfortable. Some of these treatments and and some of these side effects uh, are unpleasant. Um, These adverse events are unpleasant. So what we're we're trying to do and what we are doing successfully is helping mitigate that. So Mm -hmm. once again, to really enhance, you know, the, the patient experience helping drive up outcomes using the technology. So there's a lot of stuff going on right now. The next 20 years will be more exciting than the past 100 years. And I believe that. I really well, I hope so. I really do hope so. You know, I love the excitement and optimism of what is the possible. I think probably folks that live through the present healthcare situation, you know, going to the hospitals and things like that. I look at kind of the care for my parents. It's, it's a real, it's a real mixed bag, my friend. (laughs) It's a mixed bag. You know, sometimes you sit there and you're blown away with what you see, but sometimes you're just like, wow, this seems really, really archaic, but it is interesting because when I get exposed to what is possible, and where we could go. It's very exciting. And I probably am one of these strange people where I understand we care about privacy. But wow, I mean, if I could find a way to have better medical solutions, and they could track me, and I could get a warning saying like, hey, listen, (laughs) you know, you might get a heart attack, like you better, you know, calm down type of thing. 
I would do it. I think people would. I just don't know if we can align all of the forces, right? It's yeah. quite a tricky challenge. Probably the force that in that particular case that's challenging would be the insurance industry. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe getting getting them on board. Yeah. yeah you, you bring up a really good point. So because of the complexity, data privacy really is a huge issue, right? So who owns the data? Who controls the data? And what are the benefits and and um, and what are the pros and cons of owning mm-hmm. that data, right? Because because the industry needs that data, and and there are guidance and rules around de-identification and protecting privacy, but also understanding how pay or how physicians are diagnosing, how they are treating, and what those outcomes are. Because what happens in a clinically controlled environment uh, is is a very good methodology for drug approval, but it's not 100% of what happens in the real world. And so mm-hmm. when you get into the real world, there, there are a lot of variables and it's, and it's important to have access to that, that information to help fuel the innovation and, and constantly get better. But it opens up a, a can of worms around who owns the data. Um, you know, I'd recently did a LinkedIn post around, you know, would you want to own your data and control how it's used and sell it as a revenue source? Right. Yeah. So, so that, I mean, that's a very, very complex um, issue to work through. Uh, yeah, really I mean, I've explored that space quite a bit because people are very curious. You read so many news stories about the value of customer data for businesses, but in reality, in aggregate, in aggregate, it's worth billions of dollars. But on an individual level, you see that it, you know, I don't know, maybe Anthony, people will be excited about getting, you know, two or three dollars a month. I, I don't, I yeah. don't know. It's it's You're not right. as much as you think, <laughs> you not. know. Yeah, but uh, it's certainly something to look at. I think that for me, it's just kind of handling that point that you brought up, which is we do have these silos of information, and each one is great. And when they're brought together, there is incredible synergistic value that can come from it yes. to deliver a very streamlined solution. But I do understand that people are very very hesitant to it. I mean, I. If you think about just as a patient, you go to a general practitioner and you fill out, you know, Xerox sheets of paper still, then get handed over to a person who takes that information. I think I said this on another show. It gets sent to a, a data entry resource third party, right? That then gets puts it in. They might not enter it correctly, right? right. And you're just sitting there like, wow, that's so inefficient right it could be done once and then we're all we're all ready to rock but i mean i think i'm with you i am optimistic that we're going to get there and i think i'm optimistic mostly because generationally you know the younger generations have lived with this way of doing things and they're just not going to put up with this it won't seem normal to them if we don't streamline this and make this better you know yeah, you just made a really good point, right? Think think about populations. Um, and and I read an article the other day, and I, I don't know how to validate this, but they said that there may never be more children in the United States, born into the United States than in 2022 because of, of wow. birth. Um, there, uh, if you were born in the world after 2003, you're more tech savvy than most adults, right? Because yeah. now, you're, now you're 20 years old and, and, and you've embraced it and 
privacy may or may not be as big a concern as, you know, I, I, I was the guy who resisted buying the iPhone because I like my BlackBerry Trio, right? <laughs> um, so I held out. Well, that and, was a great device. I'm with you on it that. Was. You know, there are still things that that technology did that they still don't have, and you know, but yeah, it is yeah, and it is. It's, it's and it's like LinkedIn, right? I was also another. There's no way I'm going on LinkedIn, right? I was. I didn't want people. To, and now, you know what? You realize that you know, putting yourself out there and being willing to be found, and yeah, it's important. Kind of get over your own hangups, and it's really beneficial. It's just sharing information that can be really helpful. So Anthony, I mean, you've spent your career in this space and I have been asking people recently a lot more about their passion. Like, why do they do what they do? I mean, clearly this is a complex industry that you've entered. What is it about this that gets you up every morning to keep doing this stuff? Yeah, that's a great question because what got me in it is not what keeps me in it, right? So as a young 20-year-old out of, out of college, a recent graduate, kind of deciding what I want to do. I'm very fortunate for this, but it really has nothing to do with healthcare. I thought to myself, well, I had some conversations with my dad, and I thought, well, if I now have to grind it out for 45 or 50 hours a week for the rest of my life, you know, I should try sales because I heard they make they could make more money than just working in an office. Like that was the simple mentality at the time. Boy, was I wrong. Um, but I embraced and was just very fortunate enough to start my career in pharmaceuticals, then learning about the data and getting really good training initially, right? We spend a lot of time, whether it's at, uh, uh, you know, Mass General and going to Harvard for a month and getting trained and there's all kinds of sponsorship programs and working with really good physicians and learning, uh, all the fundamentals. Now I stay in it for a couple of reasons. And one really is a passion and a mission, uh, to help patients. Okay. It's really the difference between happiness and fulfillment, in my opinion, is your intent. Mm-hmm. What is your intent? Is it self-serving or is it serving others? Right. And so the, the passion is around let's the world. Look, look, we all know there's a lot going on in the world right now. But if I can make a difference in healthcare to help minimize suffering and, and work towards cures and then work towards preventions, that's the mission. And that's really what brings, and and the two areas I like to focus in is helping the customers, which in my case are the pharmaceutical companies, the biotech companies, medical device, medical diagnostics, and the physicians and nurses that that treat patients. And then I have a special interest that's very satisfying in being the leader that I wish I had in my twenties and thirties and forties. The personal development, being able to get to know someone, see something for them that they don't see yet. And yeah. then helping them work through that and achieve it. So it's, yeah, it's a very fulfilling kind of a two-pronged approach to to the career. That's yeah. amazing. Anthony, it has not been a slow period in your industry for many, many <laughs> years. Sure. So I can only imagine how you feel sometimes. But you know, here we are going into what is an election year. It's an Olympic year. It's 2024 is a busy, busy year. What are you seeing on the horizon in your space and what should we be looking out for? Yeah, so it's it's important to to do what you just said. What should we be looking at? So look at the big yeah. trends. The big trends certainly in, in healthcare um, are around personalization and individualized medicine. Mm-hmm. Take a personal interest in your own healthcare. That's something that's, you know, take an interest in your own uh, time block your calendar, go for a walk, get fresh air, 
focus on your sleep, focus on the quality of your sleep, focus on exercise, focus on nutrition, focus on stress management, use the tools that are available around personal devices, wearables, sensors, apps, and use them uh, as an opportunity to speak with your doctor, right? Talk to them about what's going on and, and what makes you uniquely you and use those things. Keep an eye on the big movements. Uh, artificial intelligence and machine learning are going to dramatically affect our lives. And, you know, if you spend any time on LinkedIn or, uh, you know, even reading the, the paper, you know, they say AI and machine learning are going to replace doctors and eventually replace people. And I would say certainly in our lifetime, that's not going to happen. But what's mm -hmm. going to happen is people who are open to learn it and embrace it and use AI and machine learning are going to replace people who don't. Mm. That's a pretty clear you know learn the technology my parents are in their 80s and um you know they're embracing it and they're learning and they're 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 adopting and and just stay open to it you know really that that's big the, the dna anthony that is the best advice i have heard in a long long time is such a truthful statement where it's about staying open open-minded yeah. to it. You know, sometimes I see these things come down the pike and sometimes, you know, you'll talk to senior executives and they'll be like, well, thank God I'm coming to the end of my career. Like this is crazy, <laughs> you know, but the reality is nobody knows everything. It's staying up to date. It's thinking about how it could be used in a positive way and embracing that. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's never, you know, it's you, you, you've never fully arrived, right? The, the most elite folks in their fields, whether it's athletes, pilots, surgeons, name, just name it, um, they all know they can get better and they all have coaches and they all have peers and they all really work on, again, staying open, being naturally curious. Um, I really believe, and I'm very optimistic, that the future is going to be way brighter uh, mm -hmm. in the next decade or two than, than, than recent decades. And it's an exciting time and it's it's important to stay focused on that with everything that's going on in the world. Um, there's a lot of optimism around healthcare and, and improving uh, health and longevity and, and living really longer, healthier, more fulfilled lives. That's so. great. Well, Anthony, thank you so much for coming on the Uncaged show today. If someone wanted to reach you to learn more about everything that we've been discussing, where's the best place to find you? Yeah, it's great. I'm at Anthony W. Luttenberger at LinkedIn. My, I, I put this open to the world. It's on LinkedIn. Uh, my personal email and my phone number are listed. So that's probably the best way to contact me or you can call uh, or you can write to anthony.luttenberger at gmail. Um, no dot, sorry. Anthony Luttenberger at gmail.com. Excellent. Well, Anthony, thank you so much for being on the show today. We've been speaking with Anthony Luttenberger really about all of the exciting things that are happening in the healthcare space. Our conversation very much started around data, looking at how we've moved from data silos to finding clever ways to bring the data sources together to find even greater insights that can change the trajectory and speed acceleration of kind of taking a drug to market, a healthcare solution to market, and where things are going. Anthony has filled me with optimism today. <laughs> I am excited about what I've heard today. And certainly, I think I have to echo his sentiment that with technologies like AI, embrace it. Look at them, learn them, see what they're like. Don't be afraid. See what you can do. The haves and the have-nots are going to be the people who ignore it. 
or the ones that learn it and learn it piece by piece, right? It's going to be a step-by-step process. And the last point, Anthony, that you made, that's just, I think, really sound advice, which is take an active interest in your own healthcare. Take an active interest in your own healthcare solutions. Look at how the data is used, where it can help you, where it's perhaps missing stuff so you can't get better solutions and where things can go. Anthony, thank you so much for being on the Uncaged show today, and we look forward to having you back. Yeah, thank you so much. 